Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. Good morning. You know, that means that you are listening to the mystery of parenthood. And um, we do ask that you would slow down and um, and take a, take a little bit of time and listen and uh, learn something Catholic, learn something about parenthood, um, learn something exciting. And so we are here uh, as as usual, or at least as we like it to be with 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 both Stephanie and Thaddeus here uh, with us. And we have a guest that we're really excited about. But as, um, as we always do, I'm going to let Stephanie begin with, with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity. Grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world, and grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in and through our families. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and the Holy Spirit, Holy Family of Nazareth. Pray for us. St. John Paul II. Pray Pray for for us. us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So yes, you are listening to Red Sea Catholic Radio, KEDC 88.5 in the Brazos Valley, K-Y-A-R 98.3 FM in Central Texas and K-I-N-F 107.9 FM in Palestine. We are all over Texas. Red Sea Rocks. <laughs> all right. Now we can introduce gonna our fabulous That's going to be our new music guest. station. Uh, Red Sea Rocks. <laughs> Red Sea Rocks. I like it. So we do we do have a, speci- well, a special guest, a, a, a regular guest on the Monica Ash Hour with Tobit. She's special here. and regular. Well, she's special and regular. <laughs> so she's especially regular. <laughs> but uh, anyway, kind of silly today. But, you know. Some days we're what, very that's, punchy that's here, what, That's what happens. <laughs> but but uh, anyway. Anyway, Monica, we are uh, we are so grateful. Listen, I know we we've hopefully people have heard, but go ahead and tell us a little bit about about yourself and about Tobit, and then we'll get jump right into the show real quick. Sure, thank you, Trey, Stephanie, and Thaddeus. <laughs> um, Monica Ashour, and I am a co-founder of Tobit, the Theology of the Body Evangelization Team, and we have been around since December eighth, and that's two thousand and one. We were founded because many of us got so excited when we heard about the Theology of the Body by Pope John Paul. I even had my master's degree from UD. And I hadn't really heard it much, and it just changed our lives. And so, in a nutshell, for many Catholics who don't know about the Theology of the Body, it's just this unique way of looking at the human person 
that we're made in God's image and likeness. And then St. John Paul kind of zeroed in on sexuality. But it's more an anthropology, which of course means, you know, what what we're, we're all about as human persons and made in God's image and likeness. And then um, we get into sexuality as well. Um, my latest endeavor with my team is The Body Matters. It's a preschool through eighth grade program, and it's geared to um, help children see the truth of who they are, made in God's image and likeness. I'm so excited about oh, about that. So where do people go to get that? And we'll come back at the end make sure we, we get yeah, that again. Yeah, it, it's tobit.org. Tobit.org. It's T-O-B-E-T. Dot yeah, or. it's a play on the book of the Bible, Tobit, uh, which is actually in the Theology Body. Ah. Okay. Yeah, the on the 18th of out of 18 books, the last one is a booger, but it's awesome. It's called Catholicism for Everybody. Oh. And so ah. my layout artist, she was doing that this morning at the office. And I was correct. It was T-O-B. E-T. E-T, yeah. Dot org, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Okay, just want to make sure. But it's a play on the book. Oh, I know. Book. Hey, listen, we had Tobit at our, as a reading in our at our wedding. Yeah. So we we're very <laughs> We've been there from the we've beginning. Catholic from the beginning, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, uh, December 7th, uh, 2001, uh, baby. December 17th, which, you know, ironically. <laughs> anyway, we digress, which, you know, tends to happen. <laughs> around here but that's why it's fun to listen and that's why y'all need to slow down like we do so anyway i was we were talking beforehand about something that happened this weekend my my daughter had her 23rd birthday and and you know as she tends to do she will uh she will invite over a few of her friends quotation air quotation marks uh, a few few? and and it starts it starts it starts off with i don't know six or seven and then it ends up being 20 (laughs) And and I tell you what, they are the coolest kids because you know you think about it. Well, when I think about birthday parties when I was twenty three, um, the discussion that was going on that prompted this is, I, I, I'm reasonably certain it might not happen today at our house. <laughs> I guarantee you, at twenty three, it wouldn't happen. In but there was a discussion about the, you know the the Amazon Synod. There was a discussion about. Can priests be married? There's another, you know, can women be priests? What is, you know, what does it mean to be a religious woman and to take those vows and, and all that type of stuff? And, and you could hear as well formed as those people were that there was some confusion and even some like, well, you can't believe that and, and be Catholic, you know, you're, and, and so anyway, I just thought you'd be a perfect person, Monica, to, to, kind of sort out what's true, what what's what's right, what what they can hang their hats on as being, yeah, that's that is necessarily Catholic. And then others that maybe that's not Catholic. Um and so anyway, if if that makes sense, it just it came up as a result of talking about the married, yeah. you know, priests and those type of things. And I thought theology of the body is at the center of that. Um Anyway, so I don't know, just in general, what your thoughts were were on that. I, yeah, my, my first thought would be, why was I not invited to the dinner? <laughs> <laughs> hey, but it's like it typically happens. Hey, she calls on Thursday and goes, hey, I'm yeah. coming to town and, you know, having a few friends. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yes. that'd be great. And then it, it ended up being 20. And I'm happy that every 20, every one of those 20 were there. So anybody yeah. hears this, this is not a shot at her. They're, they're great kids. Young people. So So y'all know my answer to everything is the body and its meaning. Right. Mm -hmm. So 
all of these various issues, if you have the backdrop of the way that God designed us as humans, and particularly our bodies, because remember Pope John Paul coined the term body person, it's a hyphenated word, body person, then it helps illuminate everything in the Catholic Church. Right. So before, this is what I did yesterday, I'm speaking to a group, um, instead of like launching into the topic that they wanted me to cover, um, I say, if, if we take a look at the truth of the body, how do we know we're hungry? How do we know we're thirsty? How do you know the, the approximate age of a person? All the answers to these are body, 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 body. And then we can even say things like, how do you know you're male or female? And the answer is the body. And so from there, well, what does the body tell us? And so I would say that the reason why we know that we have a vocation, um, especially after our baptism, is because our bodies show us that we're meant to be gifts. So our bodies are directed toward each other. Um, my vocal cords are directed toward the eardrums of the listeners here. And so I'm giving the gift to self by giving. You're giving the gift to self by receiving. And then just kind of pondering things to say, laughing at all of our jokes. <laughs> and we're bonded together more. And so all of us being gifts show us like it, it's, a, it's a way of, a, of perspective to then cover other things. Um, and, and so the idea of gift is what I see behind your questions. Like, can a priest be a gift to the church and at the same time be a gift to his immediate family? In other words, can, can priests get married in the sense of the way you, Trey, and Stephanie are married? And, and you know, then we could talk about religious sisters and are, how are they gifts? And then, you know, can... Can the body of a female be representative of being a gift to all the church? So mm -hmm. let me stop right there and see if y'all need clarification about, you know, what I'm trying to um, set forth. I, I do. I like the fact that and this, I like the fact that you're, that you started with that, that the answer is the body to all these questions. And that points us to, you know, who is the answer <laughs> Christ himself on the cross. So I think it kind of, points us back to, you know, this is my body given for you, um, mm -hmm. points us in that we're extensions, signs of meant to be signs of him in this world and, and of what he came to do for us. Uh, that's, that's what came to my mind as you were thinking about, as you were talking about the body, because mm -hmm. he is the answer to every question. And then we, in being conformed into his image, I guess, become the answer where we are in a sense, I guess, not the answer the same way he mm -hmm. is, but yeah, I love that Trey. I love it. Um, and let me like, um, sharpen it only. Yeah, slightly. please. No, please. So Jesus, you're right. I mean, this is, this is all about what I'm trying to get at. So on the cross, Jesus gives the gift of himself by giving. In other words, he's offering his whole life. This is why he says, this is my body because he's a body person giving his whole self. Right. And what it is, it's an invitation for receptivity to be a gift as well. And so, you know, Mother Mary at the foot of the cross is there receiving his gift. And she, the, the church par excellence, is a demonstration of receptivity. Mm -hmm. So um, I would say, I would say it's not only Jesus on the cross, but the, the, the event that happened at the cross, why? Because 
Jesus could give the gift of self all he wants, but we would not have salvation if there weren't someone there, somebody there, namely Mother Mary, to receive that gift, to return the gift, and then we have salvation. So St. John Paul says the first fruit of the cross is the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit could not be poured out if Jesus's gift were not first received. Um, that might seem esoteric, so maybe somebody like Stephanie can translate. <laughs> I think the readers are, are following, uh, giving and receiving, you know, because it's a feminine posture is kind of what I'm trying to get at. So you have a comment about that, any of y'all? Well, I mean, I don't know about you, but I think I think of the scene at the end of The Passion that that uh, where mm-hmm. there is that reception of him as he comes off the cross in that in that mm-hmm. gift. Um, I, I think, I don't know, 70, it, and, and I'm not sure I completely get it, but that's totally fine. What I, what I think that it points to is that what you're saying points me to something that I think is, is really important to remember, that the body and our human existence and how we walk and that, that those things all matter. And so that it's not accidental that there was somebody there to receive his gift. It's not accidental that that happened. It's part of God's plan. So part of God's plan is always going to include real people in real circumstances, doing real things, receiving and giving. Does that? Yeah. Yeah. And then, sorry, please. I was just saying, does that, does that make, that's my stab, maybe not at at nailing it down, but, uh, but, but it kind of what comes to my mind as I, as I do that. Yeah. So um, in other words, like Archbishop Fulton Sheen would say at the cross, he says nuptials, it's nuptials. In other words, um, the best um, sign of the, the event of our salvation at the cross is marriage. And so mm. with marriage, we see in the body of the man, the gift of self by giving in the woman, the wife, we see the gift of self by receiving. And then it's that reciprocity. She gives back, he receives back. And then there's that openness to fruitfulness. So on the cross, it is Jesus Christ, you know, behold the man. Mm -hmm. And he gives the gift of self by giving. And then Mary receives the gift of self by receiving. And notice it's a, it's a mom and you know, her, her son. And so we don't take that literally with regard to the, the nuptials, except we could talk about Adam being the new, I mean, Jesus being the new Adam and Mary being the new Eve. And then how do we tie this into the, the topic at, at hand? Well, on the cross is the same thing. What happened there is the same thing represented at mass. Mm-hmm. So the reason why the we have an all male priesthood is because the body matters, and so the priest has to be male because the male body says sourceness, another way of saying that is the gift of self by giving, and then all of us need to be receptive in the posture of receptivity. Um, the whole congregation is receiving Christ's gift by receiving. And then returning that, and then we bring others to Christ. So, in other words, the Mass is 
like a marriage par excellence. It's a wedding. When I talk to engaged yeah. couples, I talk to 36 engaged couples, every month I'm like, look, is this giving and the receiving the mass is like a wedding? So if you have a wedding and you have a mass inside, it's a, it's a wedding within a wedding. And I think that helps us to understand why there's an all-male priesthood. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I think that's great. And, and for those, I mean, it's biblical that it is a, a wedding, or at least, because how many times, I mean, John, I mean, not John Paul, St. Paul in Ephesians mm-hmm. likens what happens there between Christ and his bride, the church, with what happens between a male and a female in marriage, between a husband and a wife. Mm-hmm. And I always liked that was one of my favorite things to think as I, as I read that back, actually taking a class from Father Mitch, uh, that, that we, that he presumes, St. Paul presumes an understanding of Christ's relationship with his church because he's using it as the example. I think I brought this up before. You don't say it tastes like chicken, assuming that nobody's ever tasted chicken. I mean, like when you're talking about food. <laughs> um, so he is saying as a husband loves his, you know, as Christ loved his church, so should a husband love. Well, they would have had to known that that's what they meant, which I think is really critical, which I think sometimes maybe is what we have to go back to in terms of our parenthood, in terms of forming our children is an understanding of, of that relationship between Christ and his church and how that extends through the priesthood, through the sacraments, through all those different things, through our bodies as a result of that out into the world. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. And we can add to that because this is, you know, theological, like let's, let's say even on a practical level, like um, this might sound arrogant, but I think I could give much better homilies than many priests. <laughs> because I could be funny and wrap it all together and all this other stuff. Right. And so if the priesthood were only like a role or only, you know, some type of job, then why not, you know, females being priests? Right. Then, you know, it, it, it wouldn't make sense, right? Then you, could, you should just get the best person who presents and is animated and whatever. But the fact remains is that the, the priest stands in the person of Christ, in person of Christy, and therefore... The, the body matters there because it's, it's much deeper than some sort of, you know, job. It's, it's a mystical um, kind of representation of what happened on Calvary, where it matters that Jesus Christ, the incarnate son, um, comes to us as a man. And then many females, you know, well, why didn't, you know, how dare they, you know, why didn't God love femininity? And then I remind them, where did Christianity begin and how did Christianity begin? And the answer is the body, of course, in the womb of a woman, Mother Mary. Right. So right. from the start, you know, it's, it's the elevation of femininity. So it's, it's not a, a denigration. Yeah, there, there, was a, there, was had, a, there was a line that I remember, um, I think one of our professors, Professor Bushman, points it out. Maybe it was Aquinas, but it's the, the, the first... Uh, the first in intention is the last in execution, meaning that mm. that Mary is, the, but that Eve is the last of, you know, the last thing created in the in the creation story, and so that was the first in intention for people to be receptive 
and that, that it happens to go through a male. But anyway, I, I, I digress, but I think it points to the fact from that we, we've lost sight. If we think that, it, that the answer is everybody needs to be able to, that male is the powerful, male is the one who leads, male is the one who does whatever, and women are going to fight to be like males, then we're missing out on what, the, in a sense, the pinnacle of creation is, which is femininity. So to be Catholic is to be truly feminist. <laughs> Be who you are, right? I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I think that you know, point. To, that's what I had to actually. It came up in that conversation. I said, "Who's the? Who is the perfection of humanity? By not, not, not in, in the same way that Jesus is, but I mean, a truly a creature who is perfected perfectly, <laughs> and mm-hmm. it, it's Mary. Yeah, that's another, go ahead. Yeah, and another way of saying this is, and I say this in talks like. Why do I never hear from any teen boy, you know, why can I not become a nun or a sister? We don't hear that. We only hear from girls. Why can I not be a priest? And I think that shows exactly what you're trying to say, or you were saying, Trey, which is, you know, is it, you know, the, the women are trying to become like men and we want these kind of equal rights, but. I mean, there's equality among the sexes, but we're very, very different. Um, I think about with um, what, my seventh grade book, it's called Our Bodies Made Male and Female. So one school um, called us back and had some problems because they didn't read, it sounds like they didn't read the whole book because one of the things we're saying is men are meant to protect, provide, and proceed to lead. And they think proceeding to lead that we're calling these boys on to means that girls can't lead. But of course, we never said that. We just right. say feminine words, like they're surprising and inviting and guiding. And I noticed that no one called us and said, how dare you say that girls are surprising, let's say. Why don't you say that about boys? You know, even though there can be surprising within the boys. So it's just this crazy double standard mm-hmm. whereby... You know, we, we have people who don't understand the truth that it seems like women are trying to become like men. The standard is masculinity, and it ought not be. So right. And I it, think that's a problem. It is. And I think so as parents, I think it's really important to to point out to if we have male and female in the house. I mean, we obviously do as, as husband and wife if, if everything's as it you know, is meant to be in, in terms of meaning that nobody's died or whatever, something's happened. But I mean, in a normal circumstance, you have them, but even in, in daughters and sons or brothers and sisters to point out the beauty of and take time to point out, hey, <laughs> there is something special about being a mother. There is something special about being a woman, something that I could never as a male do i mean bodily it's an impossibility but even i could never be a a woman in in terms of what i couldn't do what stephanie does the way she does it i always find it interesting there are certain phone calls that always come to me and there's phone calls that come to stephanie (laughs) and 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 it's because there is something built into the system that's saying like okay this is a dad question you know it's like the old uh 
It's a Wonderful Life, you know, which, <laughs> go ask your dad, you know, <laughs> but, um, but there are definitely questions and situations that be, whether it's a male or a female calling that they will call Stephanie. And then isn't that, don't you, isn't, don't you no, find that? Yeah. Yeah. No, that, it's, it's not funny. like a I've, joint. I guess I've never thought about it that way, but yeah, yeah, it definitely, it definitely, especially now that they're, there's, they're out of, there's some that are out of the house, you know, um, it, it is, it is. But I think that 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 says something that there is there's something <laughs> different about me and Stephanie. I mean, thank God, and and <laughs> and that hopefully we've done a good. But we should make. She's not a second class citizen because she's a woman. She's should be the pinnacle. That's another thing that we've always talked about with our kids. Is you know one of the things that we've tried to tell is when when they talk back, they, they don't do that anymore. But when they at least I don't think they do. But <laughs> but when they were younger, you know, uh, we learned from a, a group of a group that we were in, and I think this is good. Is when you're a husband, don't say don't talk to your mother that way. You tell your children don't talk to my wife that way. And there is something different in the tenor of saying don't talk to my wife that way, because you're now imposing on on our relationship as a as a, as a child, as opposed to don't talk to your mother that way. And I always thought that that mm-hmm. was a, it was a, a neat, very precise way of making sure that they knew that this was some, this was an attack that was different <laughs> than that. I don't know. What do you thought? What do you think about that? No. Stuff? Yeah. I, I mean, at, well, cause we've, we've always talked to our children uh, and, and to when we have married couples too, is that, you know, you're a family without any kids. I mean, your marriage makes you that family, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, it, I mean if if I mean, obviously, being open to children, it, it, but some right. people don't. I mean, you're still a fa- we're still a family. I mean, I have good friends. We have good friends that have never been able to conceive and bear yeah. children. That that I would definitely say that they have some. <laughs> they're they are giving themselves in a way to others that they have. I would say children of spiritual children of sorts, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that, that come to them to ask. But that our questions. relationship, I guess where I was going with this, yeah. our, our relationship was primary in, oh, absolutely. you know, in, in the marriage. And I mean, my so. parents, my parents said, my mom, I can remember mom and dad going away a couple times a year, you know, to just go away. They would just, they would leave the house and they would go across town to a hotel room and stay the weekend somewhere else. And I go, why are you doing that? And my mother used to always say, because I have to live with him a lot longer than I have to live with you. <laughs> <laughs> so we need to be friends. We need to be focused on our relationship. You do not exist separate from us. So there was some intuitive, my mom had never, I don't think she had read the theology of the body, but there was something intuitive about her saying, you know, there's a different relationship between us and as opposed to between me and you as a child, but that that relationship is primary (laughs) in this family. So, Yeah, that's a perfect segue to the question about celibacy mm -hmm. and marriage. Oh, wow, perfect, yes. Yeah, go ahead, please, that's perfect. Stephanie, um, how would you like it for Trey to have to, let's say I'm in your parish, like I'm about to die. What do you think about Trey having to get up in the middle of the night if you had three babies? Like, 
practically speaking, is what I'm kind of leading to. Right. Wouldn't that be really difficult on your marriage? What Absolutely. You Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's what my mom used to always talk about with regard to why. Because it's, it's hard to give yourself fully to somebody yeah. else without without that. Without yeah. Fully to a marriage and to a fully marriage to and a, fully to some to that vocation of yeah, yeah the priesthood yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so a, I, a I man cannot I serve point. two masters <laughs> I think a, I think a wise man once said that <laughs> yes that is true Betty I'm going to tell your wife <laughs> she's probably listening though uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I would say like I think the practical level is probably the most important one with regard to this because. Theologically speaking, you know, there, there could be, you know, there are married priests. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I think that's something we ought to look to. But I do think St. Paul in Corinthians, when he says, you know, pray that you're like me, um, unmarried, I, I think it just frees the person up more to be able to give a lot. You know, I think about my own singleness, which I don't, we can, this could be another topic. I don't think it's a vocation of its own right, right? But I am able to, you know, just kind of get up at the last minute and do whatever is is necessary. But someone who's married uh, with a family, you know, it would be hard for him to say yes to a whole bunch of other things. And so I would just point to the practical level, although I'm sure, Trey, you could get to what celibacy stands for as well. But what do, you, what do y'all think about that? Well, I think your your point is, and you and you quoted. So, I mean, you you mentioned it, but First Corinthians seven thirty two, and I'm just going to read it because this is right from the Bible. It's Saint Paul speaking. He says, "I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the the affairs of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly affairs, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. Mm-hmm. That's right from the Bible." I mean, so there, there is some sense that says that, and the reality is, I mean, even a job as a parent, as a, can, can get in the way you, you, you feel these divisions that come. I can't imagine having to care as a pastor for others. It doesn't mean you can't, and it doesn't mean that it's not possible. It just means more difficult. It, it would be <laughs> very much more difficult. Can I yeah, make a, just a quick aside? And this is kind of in a smart alecky way, but I don't mean it to be, but I think that verse that you just read there where he says a man, a married man is concerned about worldly things, about how to please his wife, that should help us interpret the Corinthians verse that says wives be submissive to your husbands. Now, if women are supposed to be totally and perfectly submissive to their husbands in every single little thing, then why why would St. Paul be telling, saying in another verse, well, husbands are concerned about pleasing their wives. So that that should point to that should tell us that maybe there's a little more, you know, nuance and complexity to what he's saying there with wives be submissive to your husbands. Any takers? Mm-hmm. I've said this yeah, I've said this before that in the theology of the body, no wonder Saint John Paul says submission means to experience love. It's basically what you're saying, Thaddeus, mm. quoting Saint Paul. Women should experience love from their from their husbands, and in all things. So yeah, I would I would second that. And that's it. You know, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. So your mission as a husband is to love your wife, mm-hmm. not to lord it over them. 
Mm-hmm. Not, not that it's to love your wife, and to I remember please them to be pleasing to them. Well, I, th- I think that I, I we've po- talked about this many times. Our good friend, which I, I think you would, you knew Zach Barsavak, right? Uh, sure. Monica. Yeah. I so I remember Zach giving a talk to a group of married people, and he was talking about how, to husbands about how they should love their wives, and he was talking, and then he just from underneath the the thing he pulls out a crucifix and he slams it you know, down, this is how you're supposed to love your wife. And and to this day, that still always strikes me um, because it's not the way that the world says love is meant to be. Um, I would even say that in many Christian circles, you have people that when they say submissive, it's a worldly sense of submissive. Mm-hmm. It's a, I'm in charge over you um, for my sake. <laughs> And you just need to do what I tell you to do, as opposed to a proper view of authority, which which is it's at the service of another, right? I mean, I, mm-hmm. I that's what we try to teach our sure. kids is look that the, the person that's an authority over you, if they're using their authority properly, ha- has been given that authority and should use it for your sake, not not for their own. That if we're parenting correctly, if we're parenting rightly then then when we correct you, it should be for your sake, not because we want quiet, just because we want quiet, or we want to watch this TV, so you need to be over there sitting in your corner, not saying anything, or, you know, and it's not for us, it's for them, anyway. Yeah, and that's, I think that's the way it used to be with, like, wife, you better do whatever I say, you know, it was a, which is why we have such a problem with the word submission mm-hmm. is it was used in the, in the wrong way. I'd like to add to um, the fact that Zach Barsavak, you know, he's a good Aggie married to Aaron. Yes. Um, I, I heard that story before that he'd say that. And what I get to tell engaged couples is I was there with Aaron and yes. Father Mike, uh, Father Mark Sykes when he died. Yes. He was at St. Paul Medical Hospital here in Dallas. And um, before he died and before he went into a coma, he said, look, I probably won't be able to speak um, toward the last days of my life. And so if I turn my hand over, it means to pray. Mm-hmm. And so a couple of times, like his hand was shaking and he turned it over and, you know, we would get out the Bible, say the Chapel of Divine Mercy, you know, read scripture. You know, it was amazing that this man, mm-hmm. we were submitting to him. Yep. on his deathbed, that yep. the submission was for our good, mm-hmm. you know, pray. So, I mean, you, you, and it, you're making me go yeah, back. It was, Trey, it was one of the most wonderful moments of my life when, you know, I was with him at that time. And I also want to mention the story because um, Father Mark Seitz, who's now Bishop Mark Seitz, he came back all the way from Honduras when he found out that Zach was dying. This celibate man was able to leave this mission trip. You know, he left it in the good hands of other adults. Yeah, that's and was point. there for last rites. He was there with me and Aaron as Aaron kissed Zach for the last time as she, as when he died. And so, you know, those two things, you know, tying in the, the male leadership is meant to be at its service for both of us, whether it's the celibate priest or this this man who led his wife and the rest of us, you know, in prayer. And, and this, but it was it was neat because that's that week that he died. I, I visited Aaron, and I remember we were talking, and he was on a ventilator, and 
seemed mm-hmm. to be not there, but I remember I was talking to Aaron with him over her shoulder and I saw him lift his hand. He was on this <laughs> ventilator and I said, well, Hey, what is she doing? And she, and she looked at me and she goes, that means we need to stop talking and start praying. <laughs> and so he knew, that you were there. he knew that I was there. I was distracting her. You know, I mean, so anyway, I, that was, he, uh, anyway, that we digress a little bit, but I do think for sure that that, that does point us to, that's the way leadership is meant to, because it was better for us to actually stop and pray than to be talking about what we were talking about at that, at that moment. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. anyway, be, that's beautiful. Well, I know you and I have talked about, too, the, the, the word submission being under the mission of. It's not under the thumb or under the, <laughs> right. the you know, the hierarchy. It's, it's under the mission of, which is a family, hopefully with your husband as the spiritual leader of your household, you, you know, you have that mission that you, you know, that we talk about that unique and unrepeatable mission, not only as an individual, but as family, you know, as a family. Um, so that when we're trying to be, you know, someone else or something else, male or female, <laughs> we're leaving a hole where, you know, where we're supposed to be. <laughs> we're leaving this mission undone. Yeah, um, John Paul, uh, I, we used this the other day, but John, St. John Paul II, frequently would say, you know, be who you are, <laughs> right? Well, that would, mm-hmm. that would mean that you, there is something you're meant to, there is someone you're meant to be, you know, and that the fact that mm-hmm. he's saying it points us to the fact that many of us are trying to be something else, something other than mm-hmm. who we are. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I don't know if there's yeah. thoughts on that, but I, th- I think it's, I think the, yeah, re- get, I, go ahead. It reminds me of um, two weeks ago, I was in Nashville giving a, a talk at the Catholic Medical Association. But while I was there, I visited the Nashville Dominicans, and one of my nieces, Sister Jane Carroll Ashour, is a nun there. She's a sister. And so I gave a talk to all these sisters and talk about being who you are. <laughs> these women, I mean, they just glow. Mm-hmm. And they glow because they are submissive to their spouse, our Lord. And um, one of them told this story um, that she she was at a grocery store, and you know the National Dominicans they wear these long white yeah. gown you know habits, mm-hmm. and this girl was staring at her, a little girl was staring at her, and finally the five or six year old said, "Mommy, look, she's getting married." Oh. And so the the bride of Christ <laughs> is you know meant to point us to the church and the church is you know the one who is getting married there's another story where one of the sisters is out and about and this one little girl says mom them's churches <laughs> the, the sister with the church you know and that is perfect theology that these little children come up with they just instinctively know that and so if we talk about the idea of like why can a boy not become a sister? Well, the the feminine body is meant to remind us of all receptivity. Um, and and so that's one reason we might say that. And then I, I'd also like to add in the theology of the body, the second chapter, St. John Paul says that celibacy for the kingdom, which is like priesthood, the sisters, um, you know, brothers, those are meant to mirror 
a married couple and vice versa. And so no matter what vocation, there is the gift of self. That's kind of why I started the whole time. Like we are all a gift. Mm -hmm. And so they marry each other. But one of the differences is on earth, the married couple is exclusive. In other words, they know that they've said yes to this person. And so they can say no to a lot of other things. Of course, part of that yes involves children, raising the children and guiding them. But the celibate, he says, is more inclusive. And so we should probably also mention the eschatological signs, the fancy word of saying um, that the end of time where in heaven we won't have exclusive relationships with each other like a married couple. And so it's really great that we, we maintain celibacy for the kingdom, continent for the kingdom, for the sake of reminding us of heaven. Yeah. And so even though we can eventually say, okay, priests can get married, I'm hoping we won't. Yeah, I, because I, it's, a, it's a reminder. Go ahead. Right. No, I think it's great. I think it's great. And you point, you point to the fact that, that, that when, when, the, when the, I don't know if it's the Sadducees, or the Pharisees that come to Jesus and, and start saying, well, so a man had a wife, had, I mean, a woman had a husband and that husband died and then her brother took. And, you know, so when we get to heaven, who, who's going to be her, who's her husband in heaven after she's been married all these different times. And he says in heaven, there will not be. So that points us to the fact that marriage is a sacrament. It's a sign of something else. It's not the something else. Holy orders at the same time is a sign of something else. And so in that case, like I'd never really thought about it, what you were just saying, but I think it's important to, to point out that they are, they are because they're not being given uh, to one person exclusively on this, which is meant to say that Jesus and his bride are, are one, but instead more like heaven, they are able to give themselves to multiples of people, be more inclusive. To, to, to include more people in their lives, in their gift. And so that's more like heaven. In other words, again, it's a sign of something invisible, something that it's pointing to something else. Mm-hmm. Is that what you, is that yeah. kind of what you're saying? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And then I'll, I'll, I'll add to it and this is Pope John Paul and my extrapolation, but he, he speaks about in heaven, we will, fulfill the spousal meaning of our bodies in a virginal way. It's not a direct quote. So in other words, like we, we think on earth that spousal and virginity are like contradictions. But in fact, the, the, the way we can look at the word virginity, um, yeah, the normal sense of the word means basically no rupture, but St. John Paul kind of stretches that, um, and he basically shows that there should be no rupture between one's pure heart and bodily actions. In, in other words, we know what's right in our heart, and we do it with our bodily action. There's no rupture, so it's almost like a virginal way of living, a, a holy way of living. And then what, what's the most important thing to do when we live is to be a gift. And so that's the spousal meaning of the body that giving the gift of self by giving and receiving and being open to others. And so both of those to go together in heaven so that everyone we know is a gift and everyone is virginal. Everyone's holy. Everyone is like um, 
in in this union and communion in heaven. And so, um, it's a, yeah. yeah, it's 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 really neat the way Pope John Paul does all that. And I think that's why, as parents, we should teach our kids about sacraments in such a way that say, "Liz, okay, you need to chew on under the guidance of the church and with the help of other people." why these signs were given as as the signs that they are to the church because because as you sit here and you're just talking there's more things coming to mind about oh wow that you know the gift the gift if this if the sacramental sign was not the way it is it would mean something completely different and jesus gave those signs to us so that we can actually begin to catch a glimpse maybe in a sense through I don't know if the right word is analogy, but through a sign of mm-hmm. what we're headed towards. And so when, so if marriage, it would make sense if marriage is a sign of what it's like to be in heaven, of that relationship between Christ and his church, it would make sense that once you're in heaven, you don't need the sign anymore. <laughs> There's the sign you're, you're looking at what it signified if you're in heaven, the beatific vision. Therefore, there wouldn't be the marriage in the same sense. You wouldn't be married to a person because that is married to a person the way we are here because that goes away when we're actually experiencing what it's signifying. Is that... Mm-hmm. Y'all are blowing yeah, my and, mind. And then, <laughs> I'm sorry. But wow. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. <laughs> we, we would add and then... <laughs> Stephanie, maybe you can add to that because we're kind of getting <laughs> abstract, I think. But, yes. but wow. I would say it like there's the wedding feast of the Lamb at the very end. And so, in other words, all of us are bound together in a union and communion together. So it's it's like if you want to say there is marriage in heaven, you would say it's it's the marriage of the Lamb, which means Christ being united to all of us and taking us to the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit. So... Yeah, there, there's going to be that union and communion in heaven, but not the exclusive marriage as we have on earth. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I, it, it is you're you're kind of getting a glimpse into the weird things that go on in my head as we <laughs> as we go. Because, but I, but I, but it, I, my only point is, I think you have to have a have both of those things going on. It doesn't mean that it has to be one person, but I think it's good that Stephanie and I are married are married because. <laughs> I think you have to have something that calls you higher, but then you have to bring it down to real life. So to, to, to explain and have, the, have our family know, look, what we're living here under this roof is meant to be, in some sense, a sign of what it's going to be like in heaven. And, you know, we struggle with that, but, but what is it going to be like in heaven? I mean, God's going to be part of that, so we need to invite him into our houses as through prayer, through just mentioning him, <laughs> saying, hey, we ought to ask him what he thinks, that, that, that giving ourselves away as Christ gave himself for the church happens in doing the dishes, making the bed, what, you know, taking a kid to practice, whatever it is, those little things are all signs in a sense of, what heaven is meant to be. Mm-hmm. Is that... Yeah. And, and then to, to go off of that with regard to priests and religious, you know, I'm hoping they also fall in bed exhausted 
from the day. <laughs> right. You know, uh, otherwise they're not living out their vocation. So they have these concrete everyday things to, to live out so that they too are, you know, not just kind of taking it easy. I think some people would view um, the priesthood and religious life like that. Like, you know, any, any bad thing going on there, cause you have everything paid for and, you know, you don't have to worry about a wife, you know, or, and those things kind of show that the priest and the religious ought to make sure that he or she is living, you know, with the, with the sacrificial gift of self. And but many priests I know are certainly I, the religious. I, I always think of well. I think of when my mother died and and coming up here. My mother was dying years ago, and hoping and praying that that Father Mike says that that Bishop Mike now would be would be here. And the only light in the whole building, it was like 8.30 at night, was his office. And I knocked on his window, and he was in there, and he said, come on in. And, and I remember talking to him, and anybody who went to confession to every once in a while, you know, he, you might see his eyes, because I do that at home when I'm tired. His eyes start to close because he's so exhausted. But, I mean, he's been doing that all day, and now somebody who didn't have an appointment knocks, and he takes time to give himself away to me. And the, anyway, so I, there's a beauty there. If he had a family, that would have been hard to do. Number one, I probably wouldn't have gone and knocked on somebody's door and say, Hey, you got a minute. I mean, he, there's something free with his time with regard to that. So this is about mm-hmm. the beauty of the different ways in which we can be gifts of ourselves. And that some of the disciplines are there to allow us to be able to do it better than if we didn't have those disciplines. Mm-hmm. I, I remember with um, Bishop Mike Smith when he was at a vocation thing with the Aggies, and he was asked, "Well, why, why wouldn't, why didn't you get married?" And he said, "You know, I, I, I'm so glad that people get married, but for me, I wanted more. I wanted my <laughs> heart bigger. I wanted more children and more children and more children and." You know, I love I that. That's awesome. I went to a few weeks ago for Deacon Bill Scott's funeral and reception mm-hmm. afterward. And we kept mentioning Bishop Mike Sis and how his gift of self, like when he was pastor, at first it was like this small little minuscule campus ministry. And now like it's bursting at the seams. And I think it's because of the fruitfulness of Bishop Mike Sis. Yes, and and those are the followed. It's they've just followed in his footsteps. But I, no doubt, love love the man. But we're down to a minute or so, or so here. So again, Tobit, if if anybody wants anything like what they hear and they want to get a hold of you, give me your you know the website, the best way to yeah, yeah, it's tobet dot org, and especially check out the Body Matters preschool through eighth grade program. It, and thanks for allowing me to be on the program again. We love doing, oh, love you, talking to you, Monica. So well, we're going to use um, our verse today. It's going to be one Corinthians six nineteen and through twenty. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you were brought bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. And remember, only God can help you take the mystery out of parenthood. Pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. And he will. Pray for us. Pray for you. 